This is VC Projects Podcast. And today my guest is Tony Cardella, concert pianist, doctoral student, and teaching assistant at USC. Tony was um, in the exhibition performance, Translations of Being Through Sight and Sound, um, accompanying Shuka Afshar, uh, soprano, and on exhibit was Shanga Fogg's paintings. So, Tony, thank you so much for, for joining me today. It's a great pleasure. Oh, my pleasure. Happy to be here. Oh, thank you. Um, I, I, I'm super interested in music. Um, I love music, uh, all types of music, um, classical music, contemporary classical music, you know, ambient, sound art, everything. Um, mm -hmm. I played cello for a while, classical cello for a while in college oh. and, and uh, um, kind of improvisation and things like that, you know, towards a more art uh, experience and performance art. But I, sure. I have huge, huge respect for you um, and your career and your accomplishments. Um, and I know you have quite a lot awards and, and competitions and things like that, which we'll get into in a minute. But to begin with, um, the most obvious question is, you know, when did you realize that you had to play piano? Sure. Yeah, it's, um, I guess, kind of a cute story, maybe a, a little bit cliche as well. But um, when I was three years old, my mom took me to see a concert pianist. Um, neither of my parents are musicians, but they both have a lot of respect for, um, for the arts in general, but also for classical music. So my mom took me to see a concert pianist when I was three, um, and she brought a bunch of toys and things to kind of distract me just in case I wasn't in interested in it, in it at all. Um, but I never really never lost focus the whole concert. I was just like completely zoned in on what was happening. And then afterwards she asked me what I thought. And I told her, well, that's what I'm going to do when I grow up. Like I oh want to be gosh. up on that stage playing the piano. Like I was like, you know, I had, I had decided at three. <laughs> um, and she was like, oh, well, sure. Okay. That's, that's cute. Um, but then I, I started to, you know, demand a piano and piano lessons. So she bought me a small keyboard, uh, but nobody was going to teach a three-year-old who couldn't read or write yet. Um, so she bought me a keyboard and she kind of taught me a little bit of what she knew. You know, she had taken maybe some piano lessons as a child herself. So she, she knew where middle C was and what, you know, what the notes were. Um, the keys on the piano, things like that. So she kind of taught me a little bit, but she didn't have uh, too much to teach in that regard. Um, but I, we had a few classical CDs. I remember there's this one CD of Mozart piano sonatas. Um, at this point, I, I don't know who the pianist was on that CD. I don't even know mm -hmm. who the pianist was in the concert that I went to at three. I wish I could go back and kind of figure some of that stuff out. Um, but I had the CD of Mozart piano sonatas, and I would just kind of listen through them, just on repeat over and over again. And then I eventually started to sit at my little keyboard and I would start figuring out the melodies by ear um, and kind of start playing along with the recordings a little bit. Um, and my mom saw that and she was like, oh, okay. So this isn't <laughs> terribly normal. Um, we need to get this kid some piano lessons. And so after that happened, you know, she spoke to a piano teacher in my area and mentioned that. And the teacher's like, okay, you know, as he gets a little bit older, we can definitely start lessons. I think I, when I turned five, um, I started lessons with her. Um, and I got really lucky because I grew up in a really small town in Wisconsin um, mm -hmm. with virtually no, or very little art um, and, and kind of classical music for sure. Um, I think there's more and more happening now. My mom actually works at an art gallery um, in the area. So there's, and um, the community theater has been doing a lot more. So I, I feel like it's actually kind of been growing a lot lately. But um, at that point, I was really lucky to have found a piano teacher who had had her master's from the Boston Conservatory. Oh, great. Um, so I started off with a great teacher right from the start. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just kind of how it all began. I started with her and three months later, I got, I won third place at my first piano competition at five and a half. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> that's amazing. I love it. What did you play? Do you remember? Um, I played this little fanfare. I actually don't remember who it's by. I, I still remember how the melody goes. I could, I could go upstairs and play it for you right now, but I don't actually remember who it was by. Um, but I do remember the, after you kind of place in the top three at this competition, like each 
-hmm. person who plays in each level gets to play at kind of like an award concert thing, mm -hmm. um, which is on, you know, a, a nice stage with a, a concert brand. Um, but I was so small um, <laughs> that I got up there and I couldn't move the bench to get it close enough to the piano. So my teacher had to run up and kind of move the bench in and help me get up on the bench. I was, I was so tiny. Um, <laughs> That's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> that's adorable so so that you know so that's five and a half i mean mm -hmm. what what came next i mean what happened at 10 years old five years later yeah so that's kind of what started it all um the way it kind of works with my teacher was that we um she was part of a organization of music teachers in kind of northeast wisconsin and that organization puts on a piano competition every fall and spring Mm -hmm. uh, in the fall, it's a competition for Baroque music, and then in the spring, um, you get to, it's like it's a classical competition. So you pick one classical piece, and then one could be from any other genre, kind of. Mm -hmm. um, and so, since she was part of that organization and helped put on that festival, I did those competitions every year. Um, and so each year, I'd kind of just move up to the next level in the next age range. Um, and I feel like that's part of what kind of kept me on track with lessons. I always had a, a competition or a deadline or a performance coming up. And even mm -hmm. to this day, that, that still is kind of what motivates me often is, is having mm -hmm. a deadline, knowing there's like a concert coming up that I'm going to get to show my, my music to somebody. It definitely keeps me going. Um, that was kind of a big part of it for a while growing up. Um, I, was, I was always into, into all types of musical things. Like I was, I was in choirs. Um, I was the pianist and singer at my church, which was kind of a big part of my musical upbringing as a kid. Mm -hmm. um, and then in, by the time I got to middle school, I was able to join like the school choir. I was in band, I was in show choir. Um, so I did all these other musical things. That's definitely kind of a big part of what kept music alive for me. Um, mm -hmm. And I would, the, our choir teacher kind of accompanied the choir for all of the concerts, but I would always come up and accompany like one or two pieces mm -hmm. or something. Like she was really great at like, you know, giving me space to also kind of like perform as a pianist with the, with the group. Mm -hmm. um, so there was just kind of a, a lot of support through all the different musical things that I was doing that I guess like kept, kept the flame burning. Um, but then, yeah, all of these little um, competitions twice a year. And I, I then started doing this kind of Wisconsin state competition as well each year. And I would do like, I would do like a vocal solo, a saxophone solo, a piano solo, kind of just a whole bunch of different things and then perform with the choir and stuff. Um, yeah. And I guess I just, I, from pretty early on, I just like, I knew that I wanted to be performing. Mm -hmm. um, and as I got more and more advanced, I realized, well, going to college is kind of the next step and going to going to music school. So eventually that kind of became the goal. Um, and everything that I was doing was kind of working towards that first mm -hmm. step, I guess, mm -hmm. in my, my musical career. Um, yeah, so all of that, I, I would do, you know, summer festivals and things over mm -hmm. the summer, which is also kind of, again, helping put mm -hmm. things on my resume and prepare me for auditioning mm -hmm. for college and everything. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I mean, was, okay. So two immediate questions. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that, well, first of all, you said your parents weren't musical, but was there anybody in your family or distant relatives? Nobody? Nobody that I knew personally, I guess I had a great grandmother who played piano by ear and was actually pretty gifted. Um, but I had never met her. So I, as, as far as my immediately family, Im immediate family goes and people that I had met, I was kind of the only musician. Mm -hmm. And it, yeah. it sounds like you just really cultivated your own environment, you know, like, like you just, you loved it and, and you asked, could I have a piano and I want to play. And it, it was just kind of locked into you in a way, you know, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I would think that you're gifted with this. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I would think so. I don't know. I mean, it, it sounds like it, it, it just kind of came into you, right? It, and you just followed mm -hmm. it. You just followed, mm -hmm. this is what I need to do. Was there any time that you were struggling or reading music or anything? And, and did you only always play the piano? Did you, re did you try other instruments? Um, I, I did try, I, I played saxophone in, in band for a while in jazz band. Um, and then I was never terribly passionate about that. Um, but I did really love choir and singing. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's definitely something that stayed with me all, even all the way through college, really. I was always in choir in college as well. Um, 
but as far as what I thought that I would eventually do professionally, it was it was always just piano. I mean, there were other kind of big interests of mine that I thought that I could see myself pursuing. Um, I, I was always really into interior design, um, and, I, and I really fell in love with baking in high school too, and thought about maybe training to be a pastry chef. Um, but piano was just was always the biggest passion. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of what I what I stuck with, and I, I'm re- you know happy that I did. It's been just really amazing lately. Um, and well, and what oh, about? The, go ahead. Sorry, I was just I, I was thinking if I, I was like you asked two questions, and I feel like I only answered one. The other question you asked was was there ever a time where it was like hard, or I you know maybe thought about giving up? Um, and I guess like thinking back to like early on or like you know high school and, and younger, I don't remember times where I thought about quitting really. I remember times where I wasn't as excited about it mm-hmm. as I was at other points, you know, times where I was just kind of doing it because that's, that's my weekly thing that I do. Um, and then there were other points where I was, you know, very, very excited about the music that I was playing and the goals that I had set and competitions or performances that were coming up or whatever. Um, so it, it did ebb and flow, but I never, I definitely never quit um, at any point when I was younger. Um, there had been some times actually in the past couple of years where I, you know, had some challenging times with music and figuring out what, what I was doing. Um, but actually it wasn't really up until college that, you mm-hmm. know, some of those challenge, challenges arose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was another sort of thing that I was kind of led into like, um, choosing, well, doing your academics like being in academia and then, and then carving out a career for yourself um, mm-hmm. is ha- I mean, was that difficult to figure that out or? Yeah, I guess it was, I think it was difficult once I got to LA um, because in, in undergrad, it's like, there's just kind of like this, you know, very specific set plan for like what you need to do to graduate undergrad. And mm-hmm. it's kind of more just about like doing that and doing well in that environment than kind of setting yourself up for like a career, which is maybe kind of one of the big problems of an undergraduate music degree is that often it's not like really geared with the idea of it leading to like a profession really. It's kind of like more so just about the the degree itself, which I think is kind of a problem throughout a lot of academia and Mm -hmm. music degrees. Um, And I'm really lucky with where I went to undergrad that it was so, it was like such a, a diverse and like multifaceted music degree that I really find myself able to kind of launch myself into whatever direction I want mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't really kind of the traditional conservatory experience where you're just learning a bunch of music and practicing all the time. Like it was, I did, I did so many cool, interesting things. Um, the college I went to is Lawrence University. It's a liberal mm-hmm. arts college mm-hmm. um, attached to a conservatory. Um, and it really just kind of pushes a lot of boundaries for what we're doing with classical music and the way we're thinking about it. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. Um, but at that point, I don't think I was really, I, I had kind of no concept for what my career was going to be. Um, I knew what I wanted to improve in my playing. I knew where I wanted to get, which competitions I wanted to win. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I wanted to go to grad school. Mm-hmm. So like, it, was, it was pretty like a, a pretty narrow focus. Um, and so then I got into a master's program at USC and it was time to move to LA. I moved out here three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, when I first started the master's, again, I was kind of in that mindset of like, this is my degree, this is like, you know, focusing on it as schoolwork. And I wasn't super focused yet on my like profession, um, which changed pretty quickly um, as I started to make connections and figure out how I wanted to make income in LA. And so I would say like a lot of the like soul searching and figuring out what I wanted to do professionally happened in the past three years. Mm. Um, and, and at, at this point, I'm, I'm very happy with kind of everything that I'm doing professionally. So I'm, I'm glad it all kind of worked, sorted itself out. Um, but yeah, it was, but it was, it was also challenging yeah. to kind of get, to get here and be like, what am I, what am I supposed to be doing? Cause at this point it's not supposed to just be school. I think I need to start figuring out like how I want to, what, what place I want to fill in this mm-hmm. industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But but I mean, the wonderful thing is that it seems like you had these tasks that you put in front of you, the competitions and like you said, the auditions for university and things like that. 
and mm-hmm. you, you were very focused on that and didn't sort of, I, I want to hope you didn't worry about the other things, you know, because you really, in, in, to me, in the ideal world, you shouldn't have to worry about the other things at that point, because mm-hmm. if you, I want to believe if you have the space to focus and really um, explore music, explore um, as a concert pianist by performing, um, mm-hmm. your life, you would dope would unfold in a, a more natural way. And, you know, like yeah. life shows you what, what you're best at or, you know, what, what, what it wants from you. And um, yeah. seeing your performance um, before I met you and you came over and, and, and performed with Shuka, I saw that um, Samuel Barber uh, um, concert you did with the um, Lawrence Symphony Orchestra Mm-hmm. I mean, my word, that was incredible performance. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I mean, people here were like, does he know where he's coming? <laughs> and I actually told you that and you're like, no, I'm, I'm fine to perform here, you know, in, in this mm-hmm. art space. But I mean, that, I mean, you, you have so much, uh, just from seeing that video and then some of the other videos you have on your website, um, you have so much, uh, presence and um i don't know if control is the right word but immediacy immediacy and immediacy um that obviously well not obviously but you know what you have to play and i want to believe that your mind and your physical body plays into that it's not just a technical mm-hmm. experience. Right. Right. Yeah, there's, a lot to per- there's a lot to perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so I, I guess like, you know, to your point, like along the way, I, I always knew that I wanted to perform. And so throughout both, you know, the, my undergrad and my master's and all these things where like I wasn't, you know, like I'm doing this certain thing because this is going to be my career. This is going to help my career. This is going to be like the next step when I move to LA or whatever. Well, you know, I wasn't really thinking about it like that, but I was just constantly trying to perform um, solo music or with any, with anybody, any project that I thought was cool. I tried to say yes to as many things as possible. And so that's all, you know, whether or not I knew it at, the, at that time, that was all just preparing me for the career that I wanted mm-hmm. um, so, that, so that I'm able to, you know, play whatever music I want, however hard it is and perform and, connect with people like that was you know I'll just practice in preparation for that mm-hmm. so you got a really open mind and flexibility mm-hmm. seems like yeah yeah well what what would be what what's some of your own career highlights I mean you've got many on you know on paper and and mm-hmm. from what I've learned about you but what is you know success for you so far um what compositions sure. did you play that really taught you something about where you're at in your life? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what are some of your highlights? Not just, not just performing, but something that really, really you re- resonated with. Yeah. I mean, you just mentioned the Samuel Barber concerto. Um, I would say up until like the end of undergrad or at the end of undergrad, that was kind of one of my highlights from, from that degree. Um, that was my senior year of undergrad. And I had competed in the like school-wide concerto competition, which is open to any instruments or singers. Um, so we're all kind of competing with each other for a spot to play with the orchestra. And so I had won that competition, and I was, you know, then allowed to play my dream concerto with the orchestra. Um, Samuel Barber piano concerto is my my favorite concerto ever. Really? Um, yeah, it's just it's one it's one of my he's one of my favorite composers of that piece. I think it's just it's just incredible. Um, and so I was so excited to play that. And then the orchestra is just all full of my friends and colleagues from undergrad. Oh, okay. um, so it was a really you know, special experience in that way and getting to kind of, you know, play for the whole school and the community and kind of have this showcase concert on the stage with the, with the orchestra was, was so amazing. Um, and that piece was, I didn't, I, you know, I picked that piece because I, I loved it so much. And I loved listening to recordings of it. And I didn't really realize that it's just one of the most difficult concertos. It's so hard. <laughs> um, and so I was really it looks kind of like it. <laughs> thrown, thrown into the into the deep end with that. And I feel like, you know, that's 
has happened to me a, a few times throughout undergrad where I just I picked such hard music without really knowing it but I just I love the piece so much and then it's like well I need to I need people to play this and like that kind of pressure and like really wanting to play that challenging piece you know gets you to like the next level and I feel like I just improved so much while perfecting that piece and getting it to a place where I could play it with an orchestra and be confident um which is maybe one of the one of the scariest per performance situations I think that I've been in where it's you know if, if I'm playing a solo concert I've again going back to kind of my my training growing up and all of the different types of musical things that I did um I have a lot of interesting kind of musical skills that aren't just classical. I played a lot of pop stuff. I played with church choir and kind of mm. church rock groups, I guess you would say, whatever, Christian, kind of modern Christian music. Um, and I feel like, you know, all of that comes together with a lot of different skills that maybe I didn't, wouldn't have received if I was doing strictly classical stuff. Mm. And so when, when I'm on a stage and I'm playing just solo music, I feel really confident that like if something goes wrong with my memory, I'm, I'm able to take my way out of it pretty quickly. Um, but you really can't do that with an orchestra and a conductor all trying to stay together. So I was like, I really just have to be kind of perfect. Um, there's really no room for memory glitches or for anything to kind of derail. Uh, and then on top of that, it's just such a hard piece to begin with. Um, so I feel like that really pushed me to play at the, at that point, maybe the highest level that I had ever played at. Mm -hmm. um, and for a while, like that was, that was my piece, like that, that concerto. Um, I, I, after that, I took it to, a, you know, quite a few different competitions and things. Um, but I think that was really kind of one of, one of my, maybe my first kind of like landmark moment where I was like, and I just remember that concert was just so exhilarating. Like I just remember um, as classical musicians, like we talk about like a state of flow. I don't know. If, I'm sure that's a thing like in, in, in the art world too, maybe. I know that it's a thing with like very high level athletes too. They talk about this like state of flow that you get into where it's kind of like a bunch of like automated processes are, are happening um, and you're just kind of like watching it all happen really it's mm. like less about like thinking about every single thing and it's more just like I don't know um, happening and that was the moment where I was like I really felt like I was I was in that state um, wow. Wow. for maybe for one of the first times and then following that a lot of my performances I was like right this is you know this is what that felt like and I, I, I was getting there again um, but yeah so that was kind of maybe the first really big big moment for me um, and then lately I've just been feeling like my, my career has just been very rewarding. Um, I've given quite a few really wonderful concerts in, in the past year or so, um, so many different types of concerts and small venues and big venues. And it's just been really, really amazing. I actually, I did this little brunch concert, as you know, um, a few days ago at my, at my own apartment. Um, and it was just so wonderful. I, um, was actually supposed to play a violin piece, which would have been about half of the concert in 30 minutes, and then um, five or six, or like four solo pieces following. Um, and then all of a sudden, last minute, the violinist wasn't able to make it. Um, so the day before, I relearned and memorized like three-ish three new pieces, so I could fill in another 20 minutes of music. Um, and I performed on Sunday, and I was just so happy with how everything went. Um, and I just, I feel like, I don't know, lately I've just been, maybe it's, coming out of the pandemic that everything has just felt so, so meaningful and just like, it's just so exciting to share music with people again in person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would just say all of the performances this past year have just been really affirming. It's like, oh, this is exactly what I want to be doing and it's going very well. Um, and I'm just really happy to, to share my artistry with people. Mm -hmm. um, and I think also this past year has been different because I, I'm now doing my doctorate at USC, which was kind of, it's kind of the end goal as far as academia goes for me. Mm -hmm. um, when I did, when I did my undergraduate going into the master's, it was like, I know that all of this was kind of preparing me to be able to pass the audition to get into a doctorate. And so now it's kind of like, well, I, I'm actually, I'm, I'm at, at that end goal. I'm doing some, you know, I'm doing research. I'm kind of like at ac academia in the, in the highest level and that's going to be over soon. Um, and so that's just kind of like an exciting, rewarding place to be in as well. And then on top of that, I'm teaching undergrad at USC, which is kind of the other half of my career that I've been preparing for. Like, I really want to be a professor. I really love teaching. Mm -hmm. And so now it's like that, that's starting to happen. And I'm kind of performing professionally in, in Los Angeles, a city that I didn't really, coming from a small town in Wisconsin, I, that's kind of like a dream for me as well. So I don't know, everything's just been coming together lately. And it's just been a really great year. That's so good. That's, that's so good to hear that. Um, you talk about, yeah, the pandemic and 
And I, I noticed on your website, um, you have created this piano a day series, and then you created like a playlist. And it, it, it you mentioned on the website that, you know, your people can ask you to play pieces like requests. Um, and you're, you're going to be posting them on all your social media platforms and that you hope that this will inspire creativity and put more positivity into the world by making connections through music. Um, I think that's really ex excellent. Um, and, and it's, and you also say through the process of taking requests, creating the content and sharing the music with as many people as possible, I hope to be able to provide an interactive art form to bring comfort and excitement during this uncertain time. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's so thoughtful. Tell, tell me about, um, I mean, I have way more questions for you, but tell, tell mm -hmm. me about that, that, that gesture. What, yeah, so that, that came from a place, I, I actually personally really, really needed that. And that was actually mm -hmm. kind of a, a really big like turning point I think for me and with music um so it was as much for me as it was for everybody else um even though I, I know that a lot of my you know friends on Facebook and colleagues really enjoyed the whole process and getting to request videos and it was meaningful for a lot of people um but it was it was really like really meaningful for me personally um I, I mentioned earlier you asked you know were there ever ch challenging parts or parts where you know you weren't sure mm -hmm. if this was what you wanted to do or whatever and it really kind of the first time that really hit me hard or actually it's really maybe the only time that I've really questioned it was when I had just moved to Los Angeles and I started my master's and I was trying to pay for rent here by being a collaborative pianist and I was playing a lot at USC um, and not finding ways to make as much money as I needed to so I was just taking on more than I really had the time and energy to be taking on and so at that point music was really just becoming like how can I really quickly learn all of these pieces to play for all of these people so that I can make my little bit of money to pay rent. And it was really less about artistry or finding my own voice or doing what I wanted to do. And maybe even not, even though parts of the, the ways that I was making money was performing, it was less about the performing and more about just like, I need to cross this off the list so I can get to the next thing. Yeah. Um, and and I, hit, I hit burnout pretty quickly. Um, and so it was, um, I started my master's and I had that first semester, and then that second semester, halfway through was when the pan pandemic started. Um, so I had only been in LA for about eight months and had been in my degree for about eight months. And I really was like, at that point, questioning what I was doing um, because I wasn't really performing solo music. I was barely keeping up with my own solo music. And I was really just like doing my academic stuff and like working as much as possible musically, but to like, you know, pay my bills. And it just wasn't, none of it felt right. Uh, or like what I was supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden every, everything stopped, right? The pandemic mm -hmm. hit, um, all of my collaborative stuff paused, school paused. Um, and I was, I was, you know, I was doing school online and things, but I was just kind of like in my apartment alone with my, with my piano um, and thinking about trying, trying to rethink what I was doing. Uh, I was reading a bunch of books about various like music journeys there's actually one called the musician's journey and i was reading some other books about you know famous pianists and teachers and just trying to like reconnect with with my art form and figure out like mm -hmm. you know this this used to be everything that i loved and right now it's just more of like a thing that i have to do each day yeah. um and so in some ways like i'm grateful that that everything stopped for me for a bit and um I think the way that that started was an old choir teacher asked me if I would record a video, I think, of a piece or I had mentioned a piece or something like that. And I just was like, you know, I want to sit down. I'm just going to like spend the day and I'm just going to learn this piece in one day. I'm going to play it. And I was like, wow, I forgot how much I loved this piece. Um, and then I and then the idea kind of came to me, like, what if I, you know, learned a piece each day and recorded it and shared it on Facebook or, or my, on my social media and everything um, as a way to you know, fall back in love with learning music and also get a chance to perform, which was always something that brought me a lot of joy and helped me remember even in the tough times when I was, you know, overworked or whatever, like, as soon as I got on a stage, I was like, no, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is everything that I, I love and mm -hmm. am passionate about. And so it was my way of kind of reconnecting with what I loved about music. 
Um, and then, and so after, after a few days, I was like, well, I should also, if I take requests, then, it, you know, it becomes this kind of interactive thing. Um, and it just kind of, you know, snowballed into this really cool um, series that I ended up doing and I ended up connecting with so many people, people that I didn't even really know all that well, but just friends with on Facebook chimed in and wanted me to play things. And I would record videos yeah. for them. And it feels, I, I feel like a lot of people felt it was, you know, really special to like, all of a sudden they get a notification, they've been tagged in a video and I've like dedicated a, a piano piece to them, like a recording on, you know, on Facebook. Um, and it like really made me just fall in love with music again. And after a month or two, I was like, you know, ready to, ready to apply for my doctor, ready to keep the ball rolling. Um, and it definitely kind of got me through the pandemic and also got me through um, maybe the only dry spell, I would say, that I've had with music. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an amazing story. Um, did it, was it pretty immediate from people to get those requests or were they like, are you really going to do this or, you know what I mean? It or, was, yeah, it was, it was pre pretty immediate, I would say. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just, it was also cool because I don't know when in, in academia or in music programs, you know, you're kind of expected to play a pretty specific assortment of pieces from specific time periods and specific composers. Um, but the requests I got were just all over, all over the place. Um, movie soundtracks, pop songs, whatever. So it was just, it was, it was, you know, it was really cool to pick things to play that I wouldn't have even picked myself or my professors wouldn't have recommended. Um, yeah. That's fun. That's really fun. Um, well, we talked about, you know, collaborative, because that's a big part of your website too, the collaborative piano and collaborating with different other musicians. And, and of course, I saw you do that with Shuka and um, during the exhibition and, and you, you did play a solo piece by Philip Glass and you know, we, we just, everybody thoroughly loved your performance um, so much and we're so grateful. And, um, but, but what I really, what I really want to talk to you about now is interpretation. And my questions are, since we're talking about composers and practice, you know, learning pieces and things like that, how much room do you have as an individual? Because some individuals might be quite happy to just perfect the piece the way the composer wanted it or the professor or the art historian. I know there's a lot of different things that, um, well, okay, from my side, I think people are still researching and understanding what these composers were doing and why they created these pieces and things like that. I could be wrong, but um, one time I was watching this video of Philip Glass and this woman was interviewing him and she was talking about one of the pieces. I think it was like, I don't know what it was. Um, it wasn't the piece that you played, but it was, uh, it might have been metamorphosis. I, I'm not sure what it was, but he started, and I think they were interviewing him at his, at his home or something. So he sat down and he started playing the piece music. And the woman that was interviewing him said, she's totally candid. And she said, oh, you can play it like that? And she goes, and he said, what do you mean? And she said, well, you're playing it much faster than the way I've heard it recorded are you mm -hmm. allowed to do that? <laughs> and mm -hmm. he was like, yeah, you can play it any way you want. You know, you can, you mm -hmm. can play around with the tempo or it was really just the tempo and stuff, but it was such a um, candid and transparent moment. So, you know, what, tell me about your experience, um, your feelings about keeping the piece with the composer, but also as an individual and in your own self-expression as an artist to, to play these pieces or to play a piece of music. What, what do you think about all that? Sure, yeah, that's, that's a, big, uh, a big topic, I would say. Um, I guess I'll actually start with what you just said about Philip Glass because um, that's actually really interesting to hear I performed two pieces by Philip Glass on my concert this past Sunday. Um, and I was 
I felt that in some ways they were actually the best that I've ever played Philip Glass. Um, I felt really connected with the music um, and I felt really, really in control of every sound and everything that I wanted to be producing and showing. And I, get, I felt in the moment that I gave myself more freedom mm. to be expressive in ways that I wanted to be, mm. that I thought, you know, maybe pe- people looking at the piece as a piece of minimalism wouldn't really have wanted me to be doing. Um, but I love that what you just said about Philip Glass, you know, and he was you know, specifically talking about Tempe, but the way he was kind of like, you know, this is, you know, this music is meant to be played however however it needs to be played. Um, yeah. And I, you know, the, the things that I was, the, the main thing, places where I was taking liberties was kind of in transitions between sections and trying to blur, blur some lines, but also just in what I wanted to point out in the music, because I think some people look at minimalism, especially Philip Glass, as music that's, you know, it, it's written in these, a lot of his piano music is written in these cells, right? So you've got like eight measures, maybe it's eight, eight or 12 measures that are, are repeated and that's one idea. And then maybe that's like, I, I go through and I kind of label all the sections when I learn a piece of class. And so that's like the A section. And then you've got the B section, the C section, and then those three together is like one, one large section. Mm-hmm. And then you've got D, E, and F, you've got G, H, and I. Um, and then, you know, sometimes you have sections where it's like the left hand from one and the right hand from another. And so when, when I learn his music, I kind of like make a little roadmap and it's just a really easy way to memorize it quick. I'm like, A, B, C, A, B, C, D, E, F, back to A, B, C, you yeah. know, and then, and then I'm like, oh, got it, got it memorized. I'm good to go. Um, but I, and you know, so it's like all of these little sections that are just, and they're each repeated, you know, probably two to three times. And then you leave that section, you go to the next section and then the whole section is repeated again. And, you know, it's, it's very repetitive in some ways. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, some people look at minimalism as like, as you're repeating these sections, you could just play it the same way each time, but people are going to hear things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what the, one of the beautiful mm-hmm. things about minimalism is, is just the way it like it unfolds acoustically and the way that our ears are going to pick up on different things as we listen to something over and over again. Um, if the left hand's going, right, that's kind of like one way to hear it. But then, you know, as it's happening, you might just hear like the bottom note coming through over and over again, or the top note or something, you know, you might hear different things poking out of the texture, which I think is one of the cool things about minimalism. Um, But I think as a performer, you can also have the space to show people or to be a little bit more like overt about it, um, which is something that I experimented with in this past performance. Like I actually, I'm, I'm going to show you what I want you to hear coming out of this texture. Like right now you're hearing like everything kind of evenly, but like, look at, you can also just hear this like top note poking through on its own for a while. Or like there's a melody happening kind of inside these mm-hmm. notes or like, oh, here's the bass. Like you probably didn't even notice that there was bass here before. Um, and so, and musically, I felt that to be really rewarding. And I felt, you know, I got a really kind of crazy reaction. People were really moved. A couple of people were moved to tears, you know, during that oh performance. Gosh. And I'm like, and you know, I think some people would say like, oh, you're not being true to what minimalism is by doing that potentially. Some people might say that, um, but it was a performance and people were moved. Mm-hmm. So I'm mm-hmm. not entirely sure I care too much about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And, and so mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the whole balance, especially when you're doing music in academia. Um, it's like, you're, you know, you're trying to toe that line of like making certain people happy. And eventually mm-hmm. you have to just kind of throw that away. Um, because it's like, you know, I need to be who I am as a performer. I need to make my audience happy. Mm-hmm. And if you're just trying to please, like, the people who say that these are the rules, um, and, like, you're just kind of taking it, like, I have to play this music because of this, then, like, I, I personally don't think there's much of a, vo- a voice in that. Um, that's kind of more of, like, a history lecture, which can be really amazing. And especially people who, like, do historically performed music on, like, historical instruments. Like, I think that's a really cool... Um, Mm-hmm. kind of like history lesson meets music meets artistry mm-hmm. um but for like for me personally um i think that i need to figure out what i want to say in the music and i think part of that is first looking at it historically and figuring out what the composer trying trying to figure out what the composer right because most of these composers have passed away hundreds of years ago so how can we really know what, what they wanted to say um but trying to learn as much as i can especially while I'm in academia, that's also kind of the point. And if I want to be a professor, I, I, I need to really know every, everything that there is to know about this. Um, but I, I, so I start there. Um, but then I, you know, as I'm like looking at that and trying to do things that I think would have been historically informed, um, then I start to grapple with, and usually it just kind of happens organically because I'm like, well, this doesn't work on my modern instrument, right? Especially if we're looking at like Bach or Mozart, which would have, Bach would have probably not been, even been played on an actual piano. And Mozart would have been on a forte piano that's so different from my piano, even Chopin and Ravel, 
um, the pedals were different, the strings were different, right? It's, it was all completely different. And so if we're trying to be so strict, but a lot of it doesn't, some parts of that just, just don't work on my instrument or they just like make it like kind of an impossible feat to play it like that on mm-hmm. um, this modern instrument. And so kind of organically, then I start to question things like, mm-hmm. like this isn't working. And it's like, honestly, this probably just isn't working because like if Ravel had this piano, he wouldn't have probably played it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, he wouldn't have so written kind it of, like that, right? Right, right. So that's yeah. kind of, and, and you know, especially like in Debussy and Ravel with pedaling, is kind of like, you know, there's these like long pedals where everything is supposed to just blur together. And on their piano, it would have still been very clear. But on our pianos, which are now massive and have these like, you know, really resonant big strings and everything, um, it's just like too blurry. And that's just kind of like one kind of easy example where like, oh, they probably would have written different pedaling there had you been a little more nuanced with pedaling. Um, and so that's kind of maybe just like one of the more easy examples of how I can talk about like, you know, coming at it from a, a historical perspective, but then Mm-hmm. needing to find your own voice but then you know after I've kind of done all of that then it's like what do I want to like personally be saying with this piece what do I love about this piece what do I love about the harmonies and the melody and what do I think is important in it and finding my own interpretation mm-hmm. um and and it's interesting how the freedom to do that often comes from playing for different audiences mm-hmm. and I would say that that's maybe something that's tough about music degrees in general um, because you, you know, you play, at least at USC, you have like a, a jury at the end of every semester, which is kind of like your final exam for like mm-hmm. a final exam performance thing. And for the piano department, you play your your three pieces in front of eight to 10 piano professors, and they're all kind of listening. And, you know, they say that they, you know, they're just like listening to hear your progress and your artistry, but also like they're all piano professors. And so they're also all listening, knowing that, oh, well, in Beethoven, it should be this, and in Mozart, it should be this. You know, they, they, that's the yeah. training, and that's what they're trying to teach, so that's also how they're listening. And so in that moment, it, that does sometimes, you know, that can force people to play in a different way versus if I just come to an audience that I don't, I don't know if anybody knows anything about historically informed classical music, but I just want to share something with them. And all of a sudden, I find myself doing things, and I have so much freedom in the moment and I'm like, wow, that was really beautiful. That's, that's how I want to play that piece, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so trying to, trying to recreate that in my practice, too, I think is important. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's maybe something that's problematic about music degrees in general is that, like, the, the, big, the big performances, it's like, oh, it's your senior recital, but it's still in front of all of your music friends in music school and your professors who are all kind of thinking in this one certain critical mindset. Um, and even that just might not really allow you the freedom to like craft your own expression and your own interpretation of the pieces. And so that's something that I found really wonderful while I'm doing this doctorate right now is that I've just been performing all over the place. I've been doing house concerts and concerts here and there and all of this. And I think that just like has given me so much more room to work on my artistry than the maybe more like clinical version of performance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for explaining all that. Um, like the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, make I'm I'm so glad, you know, I had the the courage to ask you that, because um, I think, you know, I just you're an individual, so it only makes sense, you know, in this age that you would want to, if 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 you're has as much knowledge and education and research like you do that you would want to have an opinion about some of these pieces. I mean, it's not like you're, you're, it's not like me doing it who has no knowledge or background or history or even understandable respect because I don't know, you know what I mean? I just don't know. Mm-hmm. But what, but, but I think what comes to mind is that like, I would imagine as an individual pianist, you might be known for certain pieces or certain mm-hmm. composers that really resonate with you. Um, and so you, and I'm not saying to single out of it, I'm just kind of guessing. So if, if you like Philip Glass and you feel like, you know, certainly you're gonna come here and you're gonna play Philip Glass and you, and you have total freedom because you know we're visual art people for the most part. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't know, you know, we know the pieces, but we don't know them the way you know them. So we would be ideal audience members for that. But what I'm trying to say is that, okay, 
So let's say I'm at the record store, you know, and I want to mm -hmm. buy Philip Glass and I have all these options of all these different musicians that play Philip Glass, right? Mm -hmm. So all these people are going to play them differently, but more or less the same. But then if I came across you, I go, well, he's actually going to bring another element to it. So I would think that in a good way that people would follow you who are more interested to learn, to kind of go outside the box. Mm. Right? Yeah, potentially. Does that make yeah, any I can, sense? I that. <laughs> no, I think that makes sense. I mean, I think that's one of the fun things about kind of going on YouTube and just typing in, a, you know, your favorite piece and like listening to 20 different performers um, play it is that, you know, a lot of people are going to take so many different types of liberties and some people are going to be, you know, a lot more strict to what yeah. they might see in the score and then other people you're like whoa I would have never thought to do that how interesting um yeah, yeah. and yeah I mean obviously it it depends on the situation right like you said when mm -hmm. you're playing with an orchestra you don't have as much liberty because you got to keep everybody together or right. yeah so it's it's all kind of site specific um mm -hmm. we would say but yeah um I mean how do you how do, how do you find your individualism then today? Right. As a concert right. pianist. I mean, you're an individual. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, like I was saying, I think that might be one of the, one of the pitfalls of, of music schools and those types of kind of harsh conservatory environments. Um, I think art, kind schools of, you know, are, art schools are the same too, though. Interesting. That makes yeah. sense, yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because, like, sometimes, you know, we'll be talking about certain teachers and it's like, oh, that teacher, you know, turns out all these amazing students so polished, but they all kind of sound the same. And I'm like, that's like, that's just that's crazy to me. It doesn't even make sense that like they could all sound the same. Um, it's just like not how I approach music. Yeah. And, like, music is a very, a very personal thing to me. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's like that would, that would kind of be my advice to people in, in music school. It's like, you know, it's something I've actually talked about with my professor a lot in the past couple months is you know, we, we do all, all of this type, all of this thinking, but then even, even in that jury for, for like, for that, in, in that environment and for that audience, and, you know, in the ways that I talked about trying to get out of that mindset of like, these are the people that you're playing for and like to, to really, to just perform mm -hmm. and to just, you know, do what, do what you need to do to make the music beautiful. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, if somebody writes a comment, well, Bach wouldn't have blah, 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 like, like whatever, you know, and it's, it's, it is tough to kind of shake that one, like that when that's your, your only audience, eight people in the room and you know that they're all thinking with that mindset because that's their job but like if you know that's part of the the struggle of that is like breaking out of that and trying to really just be like no I'm just going to perform the audience is is whoever they are I don't, I don't care like uh -huh. this is what I have to say uh -huh. um just kind of an, an interesting struggle but then yeah. you know and if, if if that's really if that's like really hard to do or you can't find yourself like getting out of that then you know like I said just schedule your own concert go to a nursing home I used to go to nursing homes all the time in undergrad and just just play um do little concerts um, and it's like, you know, nobody's listening for, for wrong notes. Nobody's listening because, you know, thinking, oh, I, I know that Mozart is supposed to be like this. You know, they're just there to enjoy music. They're just there to enjoy music and they're just so happy somebody's there to play for them. Yeah. Um, and so you can, you know, you can find a lot of freedom in that. And then you, you do something you would have never thought to do. And you're like, well, that's kind of amazing. Wow. Let me think about why that was amazing. Why I liked the way that sounded. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You start to kind of develop your personal artistry a little bit. Yeah, that's that's a great idea. Well, we're sort of winding down, and so my my last couple questions are: How do you find your inspiration? You know, mm -hmm. what in in your daily life? Like you said, you said you like baking, um, mm -hmm. and so that was one thing you said that you liked, but how what are things outside of music that you find inspire you to be creative i i don't i don't mm -hmm. think that people have to say if they're an artist only create you know they only find creativity in in art i don't i don't believe mm -hmm. that i mean you can find it everywhere um mm -hmm. so that that would be one thing and then the second part of the question you, you kind of touched on it but if, if you're young or old, what kind of words of advice could you give somebody who's 
interested in, in playing piano or is a bit stuck and needs sort mm -hmm. of uh, a light, a, li a, li mm -hmm. a little hand up to the next, to the next level to keep going. So two part sure. question. Yeah, so for the, for the first part, I, I find inspiration all over the place. Um, and I think it's because I'm, I'm interested in so many things. Um, but I, I, I certainly, I find a lot of inspiration in art. My mom is an artist and so I grew up um, with a, an amazing painter in the house. And I, I took, you know, art painting lessons from her and from other artists in the area when I was young. And I've always had a huge appreciation from art for art. Um, when I studied abroad, it was like, you know, how many famous art museums can I get to throughout Europe while I'm here for six months kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. So there's, you know, there's art all over my house, paintings from my mom or paintings from other artists that I've, been, that I've found. Um, but I find a lot of inspiration in art. Um, I love, I actually really love the pairing of art and music and thinking about why pieces might pair with certain art and how they yeah. can kind of relate to each other. Um, but I find, yeah, I don't know, I find a lot of inspiration in that. Like you said, baking I, is something that I've actually, I find a lot of inspiration in. Again, I, I threw this like brunch concert a few days ago and it was like, I didn't really realize until after like kind of what kind of endeavor that is because even just like throwing a really nice brunch is so much work but then the fact that I was also like you know cooking something in the kitchen and then running upstairs to practice something and then oh well, and then also the fact that you I, literally I learned, did that you literally yeah, did that and I, oh my god and I, I also you know with the way things worked out with you know one of my I, I lost about 30 minutes of the music that I was willing to play because of you know the instrumentalists that had you know other commitments to, they had to go to um so on top of that, you know, having to learn another 20 minutes of music while I was getting my house ready and everything. Um, but it was, I, I found a lot of inspiration in that in, you know, planning and baking and cooking and everything. I just, I, I really, I don't know. I think music is a very social thing and throwing a brunch is a very social thing. Um, and so they make a lot of sense to go hand in hand and I can see they, they can both inspire each other. Um, just even, I don't know, having good conversation is inspiring. Um, I really like being out in nature. I like hiking a lot. Um, and I find that very inspiring. Mm -hmm. And then I would say the other thing that I find inspiring and that often gets me up to the piano is movies and TV. Um, mm -hmm. I really love sound soundtracks. I really love, you know, watching a show and being like, oh, that's really just a beautiful thing that they just did with the music there. And it made me feel things. Um, and that will often I'll just like finish watching something and I'm like, I should go play for a bit. And it's not necessarily like I'm going up to like look up the music from that soundtrack or anything, but it just like kind of gets gets mm -hmm. the wheels turning. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, those are kind of a lot of, oh, and then I don't know, interior design, like mm -hmm. I mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm like kind of like a crazy clean freak, um, but there's like something about like cleaning and organizing my house and like redecorating a shelf and like staging some pretty books and candles and stuff that just mm -hmm. like gets me going. <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm like ready. I'm like, I should go practice. Let me go learn some music. Um, it kind of prepares your mind though. I do the same thing that mm. it kind of creates a, a mental um, structure or mental for me, it kind of sets me up. Okay. Now I can, now I can relax and, and be creative now, now in, in a different way. I, I'm, mm. I'm a bit like that too, neat freak and, um, and, and organization and structure. And I don't know, there's just a immediacy you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of an immediate, like, oh, I just did something productive and also it's visually rewarding and like kind of mm -hmm. mentally rewarding as well. I feel organized and kind of grounded. Mm -hmm. And so let me like move on to the next task. That's going to be a bit more challenging. This is some really hard music, but like I'm ready to do it now. Um, but yeah, and I would say like all of those things are kind of partly about sharing as well, like cooking, baking, art, cleaning my house, decorating, like it's all things that like I find a lot of personal enjoyment with, but also so much more enjoyment when I share it with people. Mm -hmm. um, and I have people over and I'm like, you know, this painting is from my mom and it's inspired by this. So this painting is from this awesome artist from South Africa. And then I'm like, here, try this very cobbler French toast that I just made. And they're like, oh my God. And then, you know, and we're always like enjoying it in my organized house. I don't know. And then it's like, okay, I'm going to play now. So it just like kind of all like comes together. And I just like, that's, I think that's part of why it was like a really, I don't know. I think little house concerts can be so meaningful. It doesn't always need to be on a on a giant stage or yeah, performance hall or academic setting or anything. That's so amazing. That's uh, that's so uh, that's so great. You be, before before we hit that last point, the last, second mm. part of the question, you said something that is really really important um, when you talked about watching the TV or the film and hearing that music and it making you feel. 
do you think that that's what music is about? It 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 teaches us to feel certain things. I think that can definitely be part of what it's about. I think there's a lot that we can get from music, and it could just be like, wow, that like for some reason that I'm not, I you know, I can't really figure out it just sonically or if it, you know, triggered some kind of memory or something, but the music moved me to tears. Uh, I, and I think that's like a really important and powerful thing that like music, you know, can elicit emotions, whether or not we really kind of understand where they're coming from or not. Um, and I think that's kind of, you know, it's a big part of why we do what we do. Um, I think there's also a lot of other parts, to, you know, if you just be like, I just really enjoy that melody, it's catchy. Or like, wow, he's playing so fast, that's fun. Um, you know, there could kind of be like more, you know, plenty of like other like, less deep aspects of it that are just just as great um or just music as music as storytelling is something that i you know i really enjoy i i had this audition last week and you know the person on the panel asked me like why i picked the piece that i picked um because it's a piece that's not played very often um and i said that I, it was a piece by a list it's called Irage, um, which means the storm it's from when he was traveling in switzerland um and basically like the it's a crazy virtuosic piece just like full wow. of octave, you know, play, play these octaves for five minutes as fast as you can and double note thirds and runs wow. and arpeggios and stuff. Wow. It's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy, very challenging piece. Um, and as a lot of music by List is, it's kind of what he was known for. Um, but I, you know, what I said was I really love how, you know, I, I like a lot of his music and, I, and, you know, there are times where it's like these octaves are kind of just to be flashy. And, and I think that's great too. I love that. Um, but I like, I really like the instances where like he's using all of this over the top pianism to like convey a story or an image or, you know, to kind of really like evoke something. Mm-hmm. Um, and you really get that in this piece. It's like, okay, so I'm like playing these really fast chromatic octaves coming down and I'm like slamming these big thick chords in the left hand. And it's very clear that this is like wind and thunder. Um, and then I do these like double note thirds and it sounds like this swirling wind. It actually reminds me of Winnie the Pooh. Um, this movie that I used to watch when I was younger, it's called Winnie the Pooh on a blustery day. And it's like, yeah. and like his house floods and he gets like washed out of the house. And it's literally like, this, I don't, maybe it's even a similar composition in that soundtrack. Cause a lot of like, you know, cartoons have classical music in them. Yeah. Um, but it's just like immediately the first time I heard it, I was like, it was just like, I had that image in my head of Winnie the Pooh getting, you know, washed, washed away in this like storm. Um, and so I, I think music can be like storytelling in that way too, which is really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So, so what advice do you have for somebody who wants to play piano or somebody who's stuck? Needs yeah, help? somebody. Yeah. Um, I know that's two I different things, but no, for sure. I think, you know, I guess starting with somebody who's feeling stuck. Um, and this is maybe going back to partly what I was already saying before, but, you know, putting yourself into a different environment and performing in that environment to kind of shake things up so if you really have only just been like performing at school or something um and you're feeling kind of burnt out like schedule a performance somewhere else um just get some, mm. some people people from town some family some friends and just like just do, do an extra performance um and that can really shake things up and you can even just kind of throw away your whole program you're working on and just pick pieces that you like you can just pick easy pieces like whatever and just learn them and, and just go perform for people um, for me, that was always just like what kind of brought me back when everything's getting too stressful. If I went and performed, I'm like, right, no, okay, this is we're we're all good now. Like this is this is what I love, and I just shared something meaningful with people, and they were moved by it, and that's really all that matters. Um, and I just like feel like in music schools, we just don't get to perform enough. You know, it's like mm-hmm. we're working towards our senior recital, and that's what the whole senior year is for. And it's like, what? No, we need to be performing so much more often than that. And then you know, professors will be like, well, you play in studio class every week. And again, I'm like, that's, you know, this certain type of performing where it's like everybody's listening criti- like very critically so they can offer you some feedback and some advice, but it's not really the same thing as just connecting with an audience and making mm-hmm. people be moved. Um, so, and maybe that's like counterintuitive because it's like, if you're feeling burnt out, like you're not wanting to like, you know, learn more music so you can go out and perform. But I think it's kind of like a, I don't know, just, it's it's a way to to break yourself out of out of the rut if you can if you can manage to do it if you can kind of cancel cancel something take something out of your schedule learn some new pieces and go perform I think you'll be re-inspired and reinvigorated to get back to the other stuff. Um, and then I don't know I I guess I would say for anybody thinking about learning piano it's definitely never too late. Um, I teach privately throughout LA um, in addition to what I teach at USC 
And actually, most of my private students are all adults, which is interesting. I have, I have two younger kids. And other than that, they're all adults. Um, I have, you know, one student, she lives in Atwater Village, and she's like, she's 34, and she's a producer. Um, and she's just made like amazing progress since she started lessons about a year and a half ago, um, to the point where now she's playing Rachmaninoff and Chopin, and it's just like wonderful. Um, oh my gosh. Did she, did and, she not know how to play when she started? Um, she, she had um, some piano background when she started. She had, I think she had maybe taken some in college, and then she had worked with a teacher for a year or two. Oh, okay. Um, but when, so when we started, um, it, was, it was definitely still more at a beginner level. Um, and now she's playing, you know, basically advanced piano rep. Uh, wow. And it just like happened so quickly. And I think part of that is because, you know, she's a very like regimented, like professional. And so she just kind of treated piano in that regard. And she like, you know, budgeted the time in her schedule with my piano time. And like, as an adult, it was just easier for her to do that because she's used to doing that. Versus, yeah. you know, kids, sometimes with kids, it's, that's, that's like the only part that's missing. Right. Um, so, you know, I teach her, I have, you know, another student who's in her like late fifties and she actually took a lot of piano growing up and is now coming back to it. And so she's also playing very advanced repertoire, but um, she's just like really fallen in love with it. And then I also have students who are just complete brand new beginners and I'm just, you know, showing them where middle C is and, and they love it. Um, and so it doesn't really matter what, how old you are, like, and, you know, people say things like, oh, but the, like, the learning parts of your brain have, you know, kind of stopped growing, there's less, there's less potential for growth, that it's going to be harder to learn new skills, um, which could be true, but who cares? You can still learn, and, and there's, honestly, there's no rush. So as long as you're making progress each week, and you have a teacher who's kind of devoted to figuring out how to help you learn, um, all of my students, all of my adult students have found it rewarding. And so I would say, you know, even if you're adult, if you're, you know, I meet so many people who come to my concerts and say, oh, man, I wish I would have taken lessons as a kid or I wish I would have stuck with it. And it's like, you know, we can, we can find the time for another hobby, potentially. People in LA are so busy, but, you know, it's never too late. Hmm. That's good. That's good to hear. That's really good. Excellent. Is, is there anything else that you feel like, you really want people to know about being a concert pianist? <laughs> Is there anything that you feel like, I really want people to know this? Or? I don't, hmm. I don't, I don't, wanna, <laughs> I don't wanna put you on the spot, but I, I tried to just kind of think about the conversation between you and I today is, you know, getting to know each other and mm -hmm. and asking the questions, but sometimes I think, oh, I, I hope I, I hope they got something out of it because I know I did. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. I feel like I guess a lot of what we talked about will probably be a bit enlightening to some people about what it's like to be a, a classical pianist. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not really sure what to add. Offhand. Yeah. All right. Um, when, when, one last question I, I have to say, sure. though, I forgot to say, when, when we were talking about Philip Glass and you were saying minimalism, what does, what, what, how do you define that in music? Because I, I, I don't, didn't mm -hmm. know that. Yeah, um, I think, you know, it's kind of what I talked about with how Philip Glass is structured and like what is, mm -hmm being said throughout all of the different repetitions, I think is kind of a, a good definition of what minimalism is in, as yeah. far as concert music goes. Um, it, it, can really, it can really look like a lot of different things and like minimalism can be really diverse in classical, in, not classical music, but just in contemporary kind of concert music. Um, but I think generally the idea is that there's you know, repetition and, and in the repetition, you mm. will hear things, you will hear pitches and rhythm and music kind of interacting with itself in different ways. And you'll hear things kind of coming out of the texture and kind of unveiling itself to you as mm -hmm. you listen. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, it, it potentially will be kind of like less through composed, maybe less of the kind of standard structures and mm -hmm. like, harmonic ideas that we see in classical music. Mm -hmm. 
and it could be you know something that's just kind of been completely pulled apart um and just yeah, I, I know it can be it can be a lot of things, but I think kind of the the easiest one to to maybe grasp is like you know the Philip Glass version of it, which is these these repeated cells, and just like over time you kind of hear different things kind of poking out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, another one of my favorite composers, um, John Adams. Mm-hmm. Um, his music um, can be a bit on the minimalist side uh, in a very different way, though. Um, I'm actually I just started one of his pieces. It's called Frigid Gates, um, and John Adams actually wrote my, my all-time favorite piece, which is like, you know, it's, I think after the concert, you heard me talking to people and they would ask who my favorite composer is or what my favorite piece is. And I say, well, it changes every day. But I think this piece by John Adams, I think I really can, at least for right now, confidently say it's my, it's my favorite piece. I really kind of always come back to this called Hallelujah Junction. Okay. Um, and it's, it's for two pianos. Um, and it is kind of a minimalist piece. Um, and par- partly I just think sonically it's, so beautiful it's just like really like the soundscape is just really gorgeous um but also it happens to be the opening um soundtrack to my favorite movie call me by your name Mm. um so it's kind of like both of those things playing like together is what just like really cements it as like my favorite piece um and it's something that i've been wanting to play for a while but it's incredibly challenging um kind of as it's each pianist's own part and then also how they interact with each other um and i just haven't had the time to like get with another pianist and get that together um, but the other day, I just remembered that he wrote this piece, Frigid Gates, and it's actually a really similar soundscape. It has a very similar sound to it, um, but it's for solo piano. Oh, and I was like, great. oh, great. Uh, let, me, let me start learning this. I, I bought some music, and off we go. Um, and it's, it's a, a pretty chunk, chunky piece. It's a pretty big kind of <laughs> task that I've taken on. It's about 25 minutes long, um, and it's just kind of this one, like, through composed, like, kind of stream of conscience situation wow. where it just it just like it just kind of goes for 25 minutes and you can break it up into sections um but they're kind of they kind of morph through into each other um and again it's kind of these like repetitive motives that just kind of repeat and repeat and then something will change as you go to like the next section or the, the next motive basically um and it is kind of a, another form of of minimalism where it's less about like a, a melody that you can memorize or, you know, chords in the left hand or, or any of that. It's like, you know, it's kind of, that's not really there, um, but it's more just about this like pattern of notes that keeps repeating and changing and, and evolving, I would say. Um, and so if people, you know, want an, another insight into minimalism that's not full of class, I would look up John Adams' Fridging Gates okay. and just have a really peaceful 25 minutes of listening. Mm, excellent. Excellent. Thank you for that. I, I will yeah. do that. Well, it's been so nice to talk to you. I, I so enjoyed it. Um, you're you. so inspiring. Likewise. And um, I have so much respect for you. And uh, I, I look forward to seeing you play again. Um, I'd love to work with you back in the space again on, on a different program. And Absolutely. We'll talk, yeah, we'll talk about that sometime. But thank you so much for, for joining me today and in sharing um, your, your personal history and, and your life in, in music. That's yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, great, great, thank you.